0: What you're doing right now is really weird. Don't you think about, like, stop and think about this moment in time, early Sunday morning, instead of being out eating bagels or having an omelet, you came to church. And you're sitting next to people that are so different than you, from people from all walks of life, different economics and education and politics, totally different personalities. We all file into this place to talk about and sing about a guy who's not even here. Like, if where is he? Like, wh- what are we doing when we gather here together, this diverse group of people, to sing and to pray, and you give us money, like, what's up with that? And we open up this ancient book, and we try to discern the will of God, and we worship and pray and talk about and learn about this guy named Jesus who lived and died and rose again. I mean, this is kind of weird. And sometimes we give you a little cup of juice and you have a tiny little piece of bread, and you eat it, and sometimes we hold people under the water for a really long time and bring them up and cheer. I mean, what is this thing called church? It's weird, why are you here? Why did you come this morning? Why aren't you somewhere else? I know why I'm here, I get paid to be here, but what about you? Like, you came to church again, and we do this every week, and we keep doing the same thing, and we learn about the same stuff. And it's almost like going to school year after year after year and never graduating. I don't know what that says about you as students or me as a professor, but we never graduate. We just keep coming back, learning more of the same stuff week in and week out. This is weird. We pray, we sing, we give, we take communion, we baptize. Why do you do it? And I think some of us could answer the why question. Others can't. But if we understand the why, it really helps us. So that's why we're starting the series called Why Church, where we're going to look at why we do what we do. Why do we pray in our worship services? Why do we sing? Why do we listen to sermons? Why do we open up our Bibles? What is it that we do these things? Why? And by looking at what the Bible says about the gathering of believers in a setting like this. I think what we discover and learn is that there is ways that God wants to meet us and grow us and help us on our journey to follow him. So that's what we're gonna do over the next number of weeks together. And you may know this, you may not, but in the middle of the week, on a Wednesday, we're trying to push out teaching to you, something called Real Talk. It comes out every Wednesday electronically through our electronic communication. And Pastor Brad and I are going to start this week a couple weeks on the weird, strange, funny things Christians say and do. We're going to be talking about that on Real Talk, so subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow that for more information, just fun stuff about Christians and weird things we do. I think most of us could understand this, that often we go to church out of tradition we go to church out of a sense of security. Here, here's, let, let me explain that. So tradition. Your parents, many of us have had this experience, your parents dragged you to church all your life when you were a little kid. You didn't want to go to church, but you had to go. And they dragged you there, and you grew up going to it, and so it became a part of your tradition. And as soon as they stopped making you come, you were like, I'm out. So at some point in high school, maybe college, young adults, Many of us just hit the eject button and said, I don't want nothing to do with this church stuff. And then as you got older, you realized, wow, this church stuff provides me with something. And I want to go back to church because my parents went to church and my grandparents went to church. My great-great-grandparents all went to church. And we went to the same church and we went to this denomination. And church is what we do. It's our culture. And I was baptized, so I want to make sure other people are baptized. And I was catechized, so I'm going to catechize. And I dress up for Easter, so I'm going to make sure I keep dressing up. And I held a candle on Christmas Eve and sang solid night. And I'm going to do it because this is my culture. And this is what we do as a family, church, tradition. Many of us do church because of a sense of security. So as you get older, you realize I need health insurance, I need car insurance, I need house insurance, I need hell insurance. And so I come to church. Let me buy the policy for getting me out of hell because one day I'm going to die and I'm going to take my final breath and I have to buy the policy And I come to church because that gets me out of hell. Or some of us think we were taught that we got to come and get a weekly dose of Jesus, whether it's communion or some sacrament, something that happens when we come and gather in this religious setting, and we need to get a dose of Jesus that carries us through the week to inoculate us against sin and hell. And if we don't get our weekly dose, we're in trouble So we do this church thing because of a sense of security, or we do it out of tradition. But neither of these two reasons is why God designed this gathering. It's not his purpose and intention. He didn't do this like, let's build a tradition. Let's make sure they feel secure so they don't go to hell. That's not the point. But what is the point? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. And that's towards the end of your Bible. Hebrews chapter 10. You can follow along electronically with a paper copy. We use the NIV New International Version translation, which you can download on an app store. You can purchase a copy if you want paper at Walmart. But Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to look today to look at what the Bible says about the gathering of believers. And Hebrews, this, this book that was written... It's written and it has this really high view of Jesus and the sovereignty and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And there are moments in the book of Hebrews that's really theologically thick and deep, in some ways hard to understand. And then there's other moments that are really practical and helpful and encouraging. And so we're gonna look at this in light of the superiority and the sovereignty of Jesus Christ Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is Christ's body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What you see in this passage, just some of the descriptions, the church is not a building. Church is not a tradition. Church is not an insurance policy. Church is a family, and the gathering is a family reunion, that this church gathering is a regular reunion of brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It's designed to be the kind of place where those who put their hope and trust in Jesus come and gather together regularly to be together as a family of brothers and sisters. And in verse 19 and 20 of this passage, it describes a contrast that's taking place. In these earlier verses, 19 and 20, it talks about in Old Testament Jewish times how they needed religious ceremony and priests to offer sacrifices and to do specific things. But now, since Jesus has come into the world, since Jesus has lived and died and rose again, there's a new and living way, it says, for us to engage with God, that we don't need formalities We don't need to go through a priest, that we can boldly go with confidence to our God through Jesus, and we can boldly gather as brothers and sisters in this weekly family reunion. And I want you to notice, as you read this passage of Scripture, how many references there are to we and us and our. It says, "...since we have confidence to enter the most holy place." A new way opened up for us. Since we have a great high priest, let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I mean, this is a family thing. It would be easy to think, well, now I have a relationship with Jesus, and you said that I don't have to follow religious rules, and I don't need a priest, and I don't have to have follow r- religious things. And it's like, yeah, no, you don't. You can go right to God. And so it would be easy to think, well, I don't need the church. I don't need to be connected. I don't need a family. But that's not the point. No, he has designed this gathering, and there's a very important purpose of the family reunion on a regular basis, which we're going to see in just a moment, the second thing we learn from this passage is that church is a worship gathering of brothers and sisters in Christ. This isn't our knitting club, this isn't our sports fan club, it isn't a hunting club where people get together, is isn't a political club, no. This is a worship gathering, a worship gathering for God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. This is a gathering where brothers and sisters come together and as we come together, we are drawing near to God together. We are worshiping and honoring and praising Him together. The only reason you are sitting next to the people you're sitting next to today is because of Jesus. Because the people in this room, like, honestly, I would never hang out with some of you, ever. (laughs) Ever. I don't like you. I don't like what you are about. You know, I mean, we don't like each other. We love each other as family. And so we gather as a diverse people. In love and honor, and the only way a world would know that God is alive is that this diverse group of people comes together on Sunday morning. Instead of going and eating bagels, we gather here to praise God. It displays a unity. It brings praise and honor to his name when we, with sincere hearts, gather to worship Jesus together But one of the dangers, it says, we gather with sincere hearts. If your heart is insincere when you come to this gathering, you're wasting your time. Like, if you're doing this because it's your tradition or your fire insurance and it's insincere and you're just playing a game, you're wasting your time and you're wasting God's time. Go eat bagels somewhere. Don't do it. Here's the third thing. Church is a hope filled gathering of brothers and sisters in Christ. He says in verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see that phrase, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess? What does that mean? He's saying don't swerve in the hope you profess. Don't swerve. It's, it's a conversation about loyalty to God, that when I say I follow you, don't swerve as you follow Him. How hard is it to not swerve following Jesus? I mean, I'll I'll put it this way. How hard is it when you leave this space and you go back out to work and sports and school and life out in the Lehigh Valley, how hard is it to be loyal to Jesus each and every day in your thoughts, in your words, in your deeds, in your attitude? How hard is it to stay loyal to Jesus? I can tell you for me, it's really hard. This world is beating me up and tempting me and distracting me and discouraging, and it's so easily to swerve and go, you know what, I'm not following Jesus. God knows that about us. He knows that we're prone to wander. He knows that we are prone to swerving. And so he creates this family reunion once a week for us to get together to spur one another on and encourage each other to not swerve to encourage and help each other toward love and good deeds. And he says in verse 25 that we're to gather like this all the more as you see the day approaching. In many of your texts, the word day is a capital D. If you look at the Scriptures, it's a capital D. Why is it capitalized? Because it's talking about a specific day. So last week on Easter, we gathered to celebrate that Jesus on a specific day rose again from the dead. Forty days after Jesus rose again from the dead, He ascended back to God. And the Bible teaches that there's coming another day, a real day, where Jesus is going to return to earth bodily to make all things right. And there's going to be a real day where we will stand before God and have to give an account for our lives. We'll stand before the judge of the universe and give an accounting for our lives. Now, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to fear that day because Jesus took the wrath of God upon his shoulders. He died on the cross so that I don't have to die. And because I put my trust in him, I don't have to fear that day when I have to give an account to God. But still, as a follower of Jesus, I will give an account to God for my life. And one of the questions will be, Joe, did you hold unswervingly to me? When you hung out in the Lehigh Valley as a father and a husband, as a coach and a person in the the community, did you hold unswervingly to me? And you know what my answer is going to be? No. Like, I struggled, God, to be unswerving to you. I struggled to be unswerving to you, but God in His grace designed this gathering to help me be unswerving, that I might be connected with people, that we might encourage one another on to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's the point of the gathering. We've all been on long road trips, right, where you pack up the minivan. I don't know, for me, I got young kids and I pack up the minivan and put tons of Doritos and some, you know, juice boxes in and we fuel up the car and we head out to the outer banks and, you know, that amount of food and fuel. It will take us a certain amount of time, but it it won't get us all the way to the outer banks. we got to pull over, right, to get more Doritos and more coffee and fuel up. we got to pull over on the side of the rest stop and fuel up because if we don't pull over, we will never make it to our destination. You know what the point of the gathering is? It's a rest stop. That's six days you're driving, eating Doritos, living life, and your tank is getting empty but you pull over to fill up that all of us have a hope tank, right? And so this tank inside of us that we say we put our hope and trust in Jesus, and when we're out and about in the world, our hope gets drained. We start to swerve, and then we pull into the rest stop called the gathering of brothers and sisters, and we get our hope tanks filled. It's designed to fill our hope tanks. This gathering, that's, that's the point. So every smile that you receive in the gathering fills your hope tank. Every song of praise fills your hope tank. Every word of encouragement, every teaching from the Bible, every prayer spoken is intended to fill your hope tank up and send you back out on the road ready to go and not swerve. That doesn't mean you can't ever miss church, it certainly doesn't mean that church is going to get you out of hell. But here's what I know. If you avoid the gathering of believers, you could do it for a couple weeks or months. The people that fall into the greatest temptation and swerve are often the ones who say, I don't need church. Because when your hope tank gets low, that's when you're susceptible to temptation and disloyalty to God. So the intention of this gathering is to give you hope. And I just want to make a comment about our online streaming. Like, I love technology, right? Our church is pretty technology-based. And I love right now that I'm looking into a camera and there are hundreds of people watching this online. I love that you can go on Apple TV and stream through your app and all that jazz. It's great. Here's one thing that's missing online it's human interaction. So it's a great tool to be able to use online, but if you only use online streaming, you miss human touch. If you had a bad week and need a hug or a handshake or someone just to recognize and look you in the eyes and say, welcome, if you only engage online, if you only engage Electronically, you miss some of the human touch, so use the electronic absolutely, it's great. But if you miss a gathering, whether for a number of weeks you just go, Who needs it? I'm eating bagels, or you are like, I'll just watch online because I'm too busy. If that becomes your regular practice, your hope tank is going to go down and you're susceptible to swerving. I want you to flip forward in the book of Hebrews to chapter 13, so here, Hebrews 10, move to chapter 13, verse 17, Hebrews 13, 17. For one last reason why church is important. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about Jesus, he is the good shepherd, that Jesus knows his sheep, that Jesus leads his sheep, that Jesus protects his sheep. Another way of seeing ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ, is to describe ourselves as sheep who need a good shepherd. And Jesus is our good shepherd. And Jesus, in his sovereignty, designed the gathering of believers to be a place where you're spiritually fed and spiritually protected. So listen to what Hebrews thirteen seventeen says. It says to Christ followers, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. He says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority as a Christ follower church is a spiritually protected gathering of brothers and sisters in Christ that we all need the Good Shepherd to lead us and in the Good Shepherd's design he created a gathering a family reunion for us and this gathering is led by elders and pastors who are tasked by God to watch over us spiritually to ensure that we're spiritually fed to ensure that we're using our gifts, to ensure that we're growing and serving. Unfortunately, some of us have been hurt by spiritual shepherds who instead of doing their job to guard and protect and feed and care for us, they've hurt us and harmed us. And that's why we go, I don't want anything to do with the church. But that's not God's design. You see, just like each one of us as Christ followers we'll someday have to give an account to God. As followers of Jesus, we'll give an account to God. As spiritual leaders, elders and pastors, we will also have to give an account to God. And the Bible teaches that elders and pastors are held to a higher standard on that day of accounting. So I dropped this in your app today. in Hebrews 13, 17 says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. So that's the role of each Christ follower. But then 1 Peter 5, 2 gives us a job description for elders and pastors. It says, be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade And so he's instructing okay Christ followers all of us in the family were to be a part of a congregation a family where there is a head a pastor leaders over us to watch over us but then he warns pastors and elders hey Don't lord it over them. Don't do it for dishonest gain, because you're going to have to give an account to, and this is God's design, that if you're a follower of Christ, God's design for you to be spiritually protected is to be connected into a family where there are pastors and elders, and if you're not connected into a family, then you're spiritually vulnerable. You might say, well, I have pastors online that I listen to. Or I have teachers online, I watch TV, and that's my pastor. And I would say to you, well, those individuals may be teaching you, but they're not your pastor. They're not the ones that are tasked by God to ensure you're spiritually healthy. And if, as individuals in Christ followers, we just pick and choose each week I'm going to go to this church this week. I'm going to go to that church this week. I don't like this church this week. And this summer, this series they're in is boring. It's lame. I don't like the worship music there. I'm going to float to this church. I'm going to float to that church. I'm going to go to this online service. I'm going to go on that online. You are vulnerable when you pick and choose at the menu of Christianity and say, I'm going to eat what I feel like eating instead of saying, no, I'm a part of a family connected in under the authority of a local church, that's where you are covered, protected, and you can grow. Hebrews says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So he's saying, this is a benefit to you to live this way. Every Christ follower grows and benefits from being under the authority of local shepherds. And I'll say this to you straight. If you're at a church where you can't live under the authority of the pastors and elders, then you really should find another church. I mean, honestly, you should not be in a place where you can't obey the Scriptures If the Scripture says, as a Christ follower, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm to live under the authority of this shepherding team. If you can't do that, you should find a place where you can because that's where you're going to thrive and grow. That's God's design for you. So did you know that I haven't always been a pastor? Like, I I didn't come out a pastor, right? Like, I was a guy in New Jersey that worked on a farm and I was a landscaper. But I attended church for 25 years before I moved into God's calling for me as a pastor. And those 25 years, the church was the primary place where I grew. Because that's God's design. The church is the way you will grow in honoring God. It's not the only way, but this family reunion, and I'm not talking about this one's particularly Faith Church, but any place where the gathering of believers come together to praise God, honor God, listen to the teaching of His Word, celebrate communion together in baptism, any place where that is happening, that's the place where you're intended by God to grow. So as a young man, I went to church and it changed me. Here's what I can tell you, I don't remember a ding-dang sermon I ever heard, right? Because these are the most forgettable 30 minutes of your life. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't remember anything I heard sermon-wise, but I know in my home church I learned that God loves me. And I learned it because of the preaching of God's Word, but I also learned it because I was embraced by people in my church who didn't see me just as a young screw-up, but saw me as a young man who they loved. I can't remember any sermons, but I remember being loved. I remember being under the authority and encouragement of elders and pastors. And you know what? I didn't like their decisions. There were times I didn't like the music. I didn't like the color of the walls. I didn't like the change in the programs. I didn't like certain things, but that was my church. That was my family. Those are those individuals who were in authority over me, and I learned to praise God in that church. I learned to love God in that church. I found my wife in that church. I mean, (laughs) this was a place where I grew and I was learning, not as a pastor, but I learned as a young man how to honor and obey God. This is what His design is for you. So, so take this straight up. If you don't want to learn to honor God, why are you coming to church? Go home, I need your seat. Go eat bagels somewhere, go somewhere. If you don't have a hunger and a desire to honor God, not perfectly, but you're like, I want to honor God, then why do you do church? You're fooling yourself. But if you want to honor God and learn and take one step further in following and obeying him, this is the place, not this place, but the church of Jesus Christ is the place for you to grow. And next week, we're going to start talking about different elements of our worship service and why we do what we do. So why don't you come back? Let's pray. God, you are incredibly patient with us that as rebels and sinners, You don't throw us away, but You sent Your Son to die and rise again that we might be adopted into Your family. Thank You. now, as individuals who struggle to follow You, we struggle in swerving and not being loyal, not obeying, not listening, not loving not serving like you want us to serve. You have designed the gathering of believers to encourage and spur us on and fill our hope tank. you designed the gathering of your sons and daughters to be under your authority and under the authority of elders and pastors. And that that's a safe place for us to grow, please help us. I pray you'd help the pastors and elders of Faith Church that we would be individuals who don't Lord, authority over anyone, that we would not pursue dishonest gain, but that with great gentleness, with great truth, with great grace, we would lead like you lead, Jesus. That as sons and daughters, we would live and flourish under the authority of the local church and find out how to please you and honor you with our lives. Please grow us into sons and daughters who look act, talk, serve, love like you. Only you can do this in us. We trust you, Jesus, our risen King. Amen.